Four Oscar-winning actors, including Rod Steiger, F. Murray Abraham and Jason Robards, have portrayed Al Capone on screen. In addition to that, three other Oscar-winning actors have portrayed characters based on Al Capone. Paul Mooney as Tony Camonte in the 1931 version of Scarface. Edmund O'Brien as the decidedly Irish-sounding Frank McCarg in Pete Kelly's Blues. And Al Pacino in the wonderful comic book adaptation Dick Tracy. Obviously, Capone, not so much a mobster as a full-blown monster, is a sort of larger-than-life character that appeals to actors. But of all those performances, the most memorable and the most celebrated has to have been Robert De Niro in Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. I want that son of a bitch dead. I want him dead. I want him dead. I'm dead. Did with this what am I, alone in this world? Did I ask no. you what you're trying to do? No, no. Did I ask no, you what you're no. trying to do? Please. I want you to get this fuck where he breathes. I want you to find this Nancy boy, Elliot Ness. I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. I want to go to the middle of the night. I want to piss out his ashes. This particular incarnation of the gangster came about when Hollywood producer Art Linson approached the Chicago playwright David Mamet to do an update of the old American TV series The Untouchables. Linson had made a name for himself as a filmmaker of the lower rank with such titles as Car Wash, American Hot Wax and Fast Times at Richmond High. However, they all made a lot of money and just as in any business, money goes a long way. What goes even further in Hollywood is critical recognition. And Linson had secured that with his 1980 film, Melvin and Howard, a double Oscar-winning movie about one Melvin Doomer, who claimed reclusive, eccentric billionaire Howard Hughes had left him a fortune. In 1984, David Mamet won the Pulitzer Prize for his play, Glengarry Glen Ross. Already revered as one of America's greatest playwrights, he had also received an Oscar nomination for his screenplay to Sidney Lumet's masterful courtroom drama, The Verdict. Eager to secure Mamet's talents, Linson prepared all sorts of pitches and angles that might lure him aboard. Historical significance, morality tale, American icons, the story takes place in Chicago, Mamet is from Chicago. If only Linson could figure out the right way to pitch it to Mamet. So they sat down for lunch and Linson blurted out, Dave, don't you think that the best career move for somebody who's just won the Pulitzer Prize would be to adapt an old television series like The Untouchables for a load of money? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's touching. Like a lot of things in life, we laugh because it's funny and we laugh because it's true. Some people say, reformers here say, put that man in jail. What does he think he is doing? Uh, what I hope I'm doing, and here's where your English paper's got a point, is I'm responding to the will of the people. <laughs> people are going to drink. You know that, I know that. We all know that, and all I do is act on that. And all this talk of bootlegging. What is bootlegging? On the boat, it's bootlegging. On Lakeshore Drive, it's hospitality. <laughs> I'm a businessman. Mamet smiled and said yes. Off to a good start? Not so fast. The studio did not like what Mamet wrote. Capone appeared in only three scenes. Mamet obliged them another draft, but they remained unconvinced. Linson showed the script to Brian De Palma, who was responsible for the audacious remake of Scarface starring Al Pacino. De Palma also had reservations with the script, but he saw a lot of really good things in what Mamet had done. Yes, the plot was fuzzy and motivations were unclear, but it had some snappy dialogue and, above all, it gave De Palma the elbow room to do what he did best. More of which later, but for now, 
Mamet was under contract to write a third draft. After that, producer Art Linson was on his own. The problem was that none of the drafts had attracted a star for the lead role of Treasury Man Elliot Ness. Jack Nicholson, Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas had all said no. Another problem was that the budget was very tight and the studio was unwilling to pay top dollar for a top cast. With no one saying yes, De Palma had a very clever idea. Fill out the support roles first. So, for Ness's mentor, why not get Sean Connery? You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Yes, the former James Bond's asking price would blast a hole in the budget, but it could also add star muscle to a cast that so far lacked it and could also perhaps attract other stars to other parts. To everyone's amazement, Connery waived his entire fee in return for a back-end deal. As for casting Al Capone, the studio liked English actor Bob Hoskins. Hoskins had shown the necessary menace in the English gangster picture The Long Good Friday. What I'm looking for is someone who can contribute to what England has given to the world. Culture. Sophistication, genius, a little bit more than an hot dog. Know what I mean? We're in the common market now, and my new deal is with Europe. I'm going into partnership with a German organisation. Yeah, the Krauts. They've got ambition, know-how, and they don't lose their bottle. Look at you. The mafia. <laughs> I've shit them. The problem was that, without a frame having even been shot, the movie was already going over budget. De Palma planned to shoot it in a certain way. His reasoning was, you've hired me because you want a Brian De Palma picture. Well, Brian De Palma doesn't make little pictures. He makes bravado-filled pictures with operatic flourishes and flamboyant sequences. And that's what I'm going to do. Linson was feeling the heat from the studio, but De Palma, who was unflappable, said simply, keep getting them pregnant. It took a minute for Linson to realise what he meant. They've spent too much money to back out now. Then De Palma had another inspired idea. Very early in his career, he had made three films with a then-unknown Robert De Niro. De Palma gave the script to his old friend. The now two-time Oscar-winning actor read it and instantly wanted to play Capone. De Niro would be more expensive than Hoskins, but it was Robert De Niro. So Hoskins was politely sent home, with $200,000 in his pocket for his troubles. With Capone settled, the lead role of Elliot Ness had yet to be filled. Many good actors were considered, but none of them were stars. But with Connery and De Niro in the support roles, Linson and De Palma decided to take a chance on one Kevin Costner. I have one more thing to say. I know that many of you take a drink. 
you've done before today is not my concern. But now we must be pure, and I want you to stop. It's not a question of whether or not it's a harmless drink. It may very well be, but it's against the law, gentlemen. And as we are going to enforce the law, we must do first by example. When filming started, De Palma started doing exactly as he had promised, making a Brian De Palma movie, on schedule and on budget. What De Palma did was pre-visualise the entire film on computer so that everyone could see the way it was going to look and should be cut. With such meticulous planning, the production was perfectly executed. Today, with CGI now nearly ubiquitous, pre-visualisation is almost mandatory. But De Palma was so prescient, he was using it almost 30 years ago. However, despite this efficiency, right in the middle of the shoot, the studio demanded cuts not to the budget, but to the script, which was a disguised, if not an obvious way, of cutting the budget. One scene they wanted cut was an elaborate shootout between Ness's men and Capone's men aboard a train. Linson protested, but the studio insisted. Fair enough, said De Palma and so was born easily the most memorable scene in the film, if not one of the most enjoyable and elegantly choreographed action sequences in Hollywood history. Cineast that he is, De Palma rivaled through his encyclopedic knowledge of movies and quickly adapted the monumental Odessa Steppe sequence that legendary Russian director Sergei Eisenstein had made for his 1925 masterpiece, Battleship Potemkin. Based loosely on fact, the Odessa Steppe sequence depicts the massacring of civilians by the Tsar's Cossacks. Men, women, children and even babies in prams are murdered. Through composition and editing, Eisenstein reshaped cinematic grammar and his revolutionary technique has often been copied but rarely, if ever, surpassed. The baptism sequence in The Godfather is always cited as the one that tops it. But De Palma was not interested in topping the Odessa Steps. He just wanted to play with it. What he delivered was a near nine-minute showcase of superb tension. It's as if Alfred Hitchcock had decided to make a gangster picture. And in a way, that's what The Untouchables is. It has all the cinematic flourishes you would expect from the master of suspense. De Palma is not the subtlest of directors, but when it comes to creating virtuoso sequences that nail the audience into their seats, there are very few filmmakers who can hold a candle to him. Back in the 70s, his peers, Spielberg, Lucas and Scorsese, all deferred to De Palma as the filmmaker. From Carrie and Blowout to Scarface and the first of the Mission Impossible series, he has used a variety of techniques including the long take, rapid cutting, split screen, 360-degree panning shots and slow motion in ways that other people write their signature. Only they are using ink and De Palma is using celluloid. If you haven't seen The Untouchables, I envy you. I would love to see it again for the very first time. <laughs>